Well, let's enjoy to be back. Amen. Enjoyed our first visit, and I'm looking forward to this one. Um, so, if uh, a miracle takes place and you see my head getting bigger, <laughs> I don't know this guy he's talking about. Open your Bibles with me, if you will, to the book of Titus, chapter number 2. Titus, chapter 2. Uh, I know you have your Bible with you because you've got a Bible preaching pastor. And uh, if, if we ever learn anything, it'll have to come out of this book. Amen. And that's what we want to do this morning. We want God to speak to our heart. I praise him for his wonderful, wonderful work that he's done in my heart and life. Uh, we have to realize that without him, we're nothing. Um, Titus chapter number two. I hope you'll keep your Bible open as we look at these verses. I'm really interested in these verses talking to you. Let's pray, and after I pray, I'll begin reading in verse number 11. Father, I pray you would take my mind to thank your thoughts and my lips to speak your word and help me to do it with your compassion. If there's one in our midst this morning that's still in the regions of darkness, I pray the light of your word would break in upon their heart and they'd want to run to you for salvation and safety. May these days with these wonderful people be what you would schedule and have to be said and done. In Jesus' name, amen. It says in verse 11, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. In these verses this morning, what I want to get across to you is simply this. Life for God. Through his grace. For his glory. Notice that he begins here with the grace of God. For the grace of God. He begins by telling us what he's going to be talking about. And everything that follows in the verses we're going to look at is coming out of that grace of God. He said, for the grace of God, that infinite, incomprehensible love 
that always shows itself in unmerited favor. But what a, what a wonderful, wonderful subject. J.W. Joy, that's one of the great men of the past. He, he described grace like this. He said that grace is holy love going out for the unholy and the unworthy. That's not all of it, but that's awfully wonderful. That great theologian, W.H. Griffith Thomas, he comes alone and he said, I want to give you four characteristics of the grace of God. And he said it's something like this. He said, uh, grace is God's pitying. He said, grace is God's wisdom planning. And grace is God's power preparing. And grace is God's love providing. End of quote. How else could you say about the grace of God than what these chosen men of God have said? But, but then I pick up my Bible and I begin to read in John chapter 1 in verse number 17. He said, grace came by Jesus Christ. He said, I want you to know what they've been talking about, how it got here. He said it came by Jesus Christ. You see, law says, do this. Grace comes alone and says, take this. You see, what grace is interested in is giving you something. He's wanting to put something in your life. Now, I'm going to look at these five verses this way. I'm going to choose one word to describe the verse. Then we're going to look at the verse. I want you to look at verse number 11 with me with this thought in mind, exhibition. Now, why in the world did I say exhibition of the grace of God? Notice what it said. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared. In other words, when he's going to talk about the grace of God, the first thing he's going to say is, I'm going to put it on display. You see, all that's said in that verse is wonderful, but if it had not exhibited itself, you see, we would have never have seen it. But God puts it on display, and he said the grace of God that appeared, that became visible. You see, he's talking about something that came in behalf of mankind for you and me. And he said, I wanted to put it on display. So I'm going to exhibit this wonderful grace. You see, this appearance began at the nativity. When God, in incarnation, incarnated himself and became a man. When God, he wanted to demonstrate, you can't see God. No man can see God and live. So God became what we are, apart from sin, that he might display himself. You see, I've never seen him with my natural eyes. I've never walked down the road with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
But he put himself on display. And in doing so, he saved people. And what he's doing now is displaying himself in a preacher called Pastor Loving. So that you as a congregation can look at him and see the Christ that lives on the inside. You, you see, God is not really interested in you seeing another person that's human. He's interested in you seeing in a person that is human, God. <laughs> and the only way he can display himself in this world is in you. You see, the only God this world will ever know is the one they see in you. The way you talk and the way that you are. You see, he appeared all of a sudden this grace of dawn, dawn, are you listening? To give light to those that sat in darkness. Oh my goodness. And in the shadow of death. Can you imagine that God moved inside you in the person of the Holy Spirit so the world could see God? You see, God didn't save you just to take you to heaven. Forget it. Sure, heaven's the one, but he saved you so you'd become a witness. You see, he had to save you to take you to heaven. He took you to heaven the day you got saved. But he saved you so that this world could see God exhibited in your life and in my life. When the grace of God appeared, God appeared in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and he came embodying grace where that we could see what God is. Salvation word is the grace of God appeared. You, you see, nobody had ever got saved if grace hadn't appeared. Oh, no, 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 but grace did appear. Oh, absolutely. This wonderful Savior came he full of God because he was God in flesh. God walked this earth in a human body. Yes, it was apart from sin. Yes, his body was as holy as God in, who was in him was holy. No sin in him. You and I, we wouldn't have trusted him if it hadn't been. But we took him as our Savior because he was God. And he moved to live within us. So, so you see his supernatural birth, his uh, sinless life, his sacrificial death on the cross, and his significant resurrection from the dead. Are you listening? Is offering salvation to you and to me. Exhibition, it appeared. Look at verse number 12 now and watch what he says. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. If number 11 is exhibition, verse number 12 is education of the grace of God. Now watch this. You may become a little uncomfortable as we look at this verse of Scripture. 
He said, the grace of God teaches us. Would you notice that this grace appeared for the purpose of not only giving you salvation, but putting you in school? Oh, yeah. He said, teaching us. I I'm saying to you, and I hope that you're listening to what it is that I'm saying to you is. This wonderful grace of God, are you listening? It does two things. Oh, yeah, two things. Now, there's a lot involved in the two things, but it came for salvation and it came for schooling. Amen. You, you see, God doesn't save you and just leave you dangling. God saves you and puts you in school. And if the grace that saved you is real in your life, then that same grace is schooling you. You see people in church 40 years and know nothing about the Word of God? Please listen. If God saved you, God is going to school you. Thank God for men like your pastor that will teach you the Word of God. But I want to tell you what you've got to have is the grace of God in your life that saved you, schooling you. God didn't save you to leave you alone. Amen. You said nobody ever graduates from the school of grace. <laughs> I've been preaching. Are you listening to me? I've been preaching 56 years. But every day of my life, I have to spend time in the Word of God so the Holy Ghost can take the things of the Word of God and put them in my heart and within my life. You, you see, there's got to be training, there's got to be discipline, there's got to be education, and it is all a means of grace. Amen. 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 Please listen to this statement so you won't misunderstand me. There's a lot said today about delivering power. Yeah. All religions Nearly every one of them I'm talking about has any kind of a hint of a Bible. They'll talk to you about salvation. Yeah. The Methodists will talk about it. The Presbyterians will talk about it. The Baptists will talk about it. They say you can be saved. Now, the way they talk about salvation may be different. <laughs> but they'll talk about delivering power. But how many of you hear them talking about discipling power. The same grace that saves you is going to put you in school. And if you ain't in school, it could be that you don't know nothing about salvation. Isn't it amazing that people get saved by the grace of God and all of a sudden their life starts changing and their abilities in the word of God changes. And then others talk about, I got saved. And they wouldn't know John 3.16. I, I told you it may get a little uncomfortable. You, you see, it begins here, first of all, negatively, he said, that denying. You see that word that there, that denying, that word that means. <laughs> he said, I want you to know, he's going to denote something here. The word that denotes purpose. Still with me? He said that, here's the purpose, 
denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Woo! You, you can't miss it. It's right there, right before your face. He said there's something to renounce. Could I say this word renounce is a decisive action? It's something you decide to do and you do it. And this decisive acting, watch this now, is once for all. I mean, you decide once for all, I'm going to live for God. But wait just a minute. It's carried into effect daily. Sure, you make the one decision, but you carry it out every day of your life. Let me give you a verse of scripture so you'll understand. Paul said, I die daily. He had already died to Saul of Tarsus. Oh, absolutely. But you see, he said, I have to die daily. You see, today you'll be confronted with something. You're going to have to deny it. But Monday's coming. <laughs> Oh, my soul, my soul, my soul. He said, deny ungodliness. What in the world is ungodliness? That prefix there, un, means without or against. He said, you deny anything that is without or against God. Just get it out of your life. He said, ungodliness and worldly lust. My goodness, worldly lust is anything that has to do with this world system. So you'll understand me. This is not necessarily evil. There's some things you'll have to deny that there ain't nothing evil about it. It's just that God said, I want you to do this. Amen. You ever notice that some people do things? I'm not talking about wicked things now. But they'll do things, but God won't give you liberty to do it. Absolutely. In our carnal way, we'll say in our mind, sorry, rascal. But there may not be nothing wrong with it. You see, uh, I know people who won't re eat fried chicken, but don't put it on the plate in front of me. <laughs> Amen. I mean, they're vegetarians. And they probably think we're awful because we'll eat animals. <laughs> Why in the world do you think God created them? So you're not going to have fried chicken. Amen. But please listen to the word of God. Worldly lust, that is, things that have to do with this world that we live in. He even explains it here. He said in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, All that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And he said, none of that's of the Father. He said, it's all of the world. <laughs> and there's no way that you can misunderstand what he said. He said, I want you to deny. You, you see, let me, let me say it the petty way. Deny, worldly lust. He said, leave the wrong. Just leave it. Then he's going to pick up. And he said, then, he said, I want you to live soberly, righteously, and godly. Leave the wrong and love the right. Isn't that what he's saying here? He said, I want you to live. You know what it's to, like to live? He said, I want you to live soberly, 
He's not talking about alcohol here. I want you to live soberly. And the only person can do that is you. So what he's saying here, this is selfward. You've got to do this. This is in you. I want you to live soberly. What is he talking about? He said, I don't want you to be drunk on the cares of this world. Eat up with this life. He said, live soberly. That is self-control. That's a sound mind. Second, he said, I want you to live socially. He said, I want you to live righteously. And that word is justly. He's saying, I want you to live with integrity because you're going to be dealing with others. Well, they cheated me. But you got to live right with them. I want you to live righteously. And that's social. That's with others. Oh, absolutely. And then he said, I want you to live spiritually. He said, I want you to live soberly, righteously, godly. What in the world is that? It's with God, in God, in for God. It's called practical worship. That's the way we live. He said that we are to live this way before others. Why? So they can see him in you. My stars. Well, I better move on or we'll be here all day. And I got a sneaking feeling you probably won't lunch. Notice said this living is to be in this world. In this world. He didn't say in church. How many of you have come into this church service just today and you've already got drunk? You've already lied? You've already lusted? No, you come in here, you sing the song of amazing grace. There is a fountain filled with blood. He said, I want you to live it out there in this world. You see, because we're dealing with other people. Exhibition, education, come to the next verse. And that is expectation of the glory of God. I love this verse. It's not my favorite, I guess, but it is one of my favorite. He said, looking for this blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Look at it now. In verse number 11, there is a grace appearing. The grace of God that brings salvation appeared. In verse number 13, there's a glorious appearing. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. In verse number 11, grace has already appeared. That's past. In verse number 12, grace is right now appearing, teaching us. In verse 13, grace is soon to appear. He's coming back. It's prospective. It's out there in the future. Notice how he's tying all this together. To get you to deny the world. But live in the world. I'm not talking about any worldliness. I'm going to live out there. What God has put in here. Woo. What a tremendous book God has given us. The word expectation is looking for. Looking for. I was a baby. I was sitting on the porch. My daddy had been drafted into the service during World War II. 
And in the service, he was fixed where he couldn't stay in the service physically, so they sent him home, discharged him in World War II. And they sent a message to mother that her husband was coming home. And sitting on that dirt road, that little house, kind of just a little no, and you could look down the road about three quarters of a mile. And mama would come out that door every once in a while, and she'd look down that road. She was expecting somebody. The love of her life was coming home. He'd been gone, and she's going to get to see him. And she made several trips out to the front porch because daddy was coming home. <laughs> Here he said, looking for, expecting. Are you looking for him? It's an attitude of joyful embrace. We got here, uh, I don't know exactly what time it was, but it's getting late. Uh, well past my bedtime. And uh, I hadn't said anything to the wife, but I've got to have knee replacement as soon as I go back home. And uh, I said, honey, come here. Is this big blue spot on my leg? See if it's infected or anything. She's looking. She said, "Who are you talking about?" I said, "April Fool." <laughs> she leaned over and kissed me. I said, "I'm gonna have April Fool's Day all of April." Amen. He said here, looking for a joyful expectation. Embrace this. You see, the first one is salvation, and the second one is schooling, and the third one is the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to leave out some. Exhibition, education, expectation. Verse 14, emancipation. Would you notice what he said in verse 14? Who gave himself for us. Here's that word that. What is the purpose? That he might redeem us from all iniquity. That he might deliver us from all wickedness. And purify unto himself a peculiar people. That don't mean oddballs. That means for his own personal he said, who's zealous, who's red hot for good works. In the second church I pastored, I pastored three uh, for 35 years. And in the second church, uh, I, I went in and God had put me in this position. And I went in and recognized that God had put me there. And that little congregation, they told me when I took the church, said, 
Pastor, we can't do any benefits for you at all. But we feel like God would have you to come. And I felt like I should go. And they said, we'll do the best we can. We'll give you $125 a week. I said, good enough. The treasurer said to me after the morning service, said, don't cash that check we gave you until I call you and tell you that I put enough money in the bank that they cash it. Yeah. But that little church, went. I went there. And God started adding to the congregation. And I would say to them, there's about 40 there when I went. I would say to them after we had grown some and been there a little while, I'd say, we're going to knock on doors every Thursday night. And I'd have 48 to 52 come out to knock on doors. He, he said, did he say here? A peculiar people that's red hot for work? I couldn't find enough for him to do. There's always, Pastor, what can I do? Pastor, what can I do? You see, what happened was the God of this book got in them red hot. They didn't know what a missionary was. And I studied and taught them missions. And in a little while, I'm talking about probably five or six years, maybe a little more, we were supporting 52 missionaries at over $50,000 a year. And the mission fund never came under $26,000. I'm talking about every, everything had been given out. You say, what did God do? I had three missionaries on the field. I, I'm saying to you, zealous, red hot for good works. Now, that didn't happen in my third church. I had a big congregation. We would have visitation. It would be me and somebody else. I'm talking about this verse, zealous, red hot for works. I'll move on to the last verse. You, you, you see, after all of this exhibition, education, expectation, emancipation, all of a sudden, he's going to close out in this verse of scripture, or verses of scripture like this, exhortation. He said to us, I want you to speak. I want you to exhort. And I want you to do it with all authority. You see, the only authority the man of God has when he gets in the pulpit is this. Absolutely. I got nothing else to preach, nothing else to say. You know why? Because he said preach the word. Amen. He didn't say talk about the word. Oh, no, no, no. It's one thing to give you a religious story. It's another thing to preach the Word of God. And you can't preach this unless you've spent time in this. Woo! That's talking about Sunday school classes as well. Teaching the Word of God. Speak. He said, rebuke. He said, I want you to do it with all authority. 
to reprimand severely, to admonish, reprove, show one his faults. Let no man despise you. He's saying let no man exalt himself above you. God's not talking about putting yourself on the pedestal. He's talking about don't you step down from the position God gave you and the position he gave a pastor is the leadership of the church. I'm going to say this as I close. And if you've heard nothing else I say, please hear this. There's only one way to God. So I'm going to ask you a question and then I'm going to say something. What will you do if you begin to die physically before you begin to live spiritually? What will you do? The Bible says very clearly that Jesus is the only way. He said, I am the one and only. I am the way. I am the life. I am the truth. It's all in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other way. He's the only way. Then Peter comes along and he said, Neither is our salvation any other, for there is none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. And Paul said, I'd like to get in on that. And he said, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. I'm saying that because if you're here and you don't know Christ, you can know him this morning. This, this is not something that you've got to do penance and wait a while and do penance. No, no, no. This is repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Bam. A transformation takes place. It's called creation. Yeah, we're created a new creature in Christ Jesus. You, you said, I'll never be able to change my life. The good news is you hadn't got to. He'll change it for you. If you just listen, he'll change it. Amen. And you'll thank God every day for it. Amen. I was studying one day, this book. I was studying. And he was cutting me all to pieces with conviction and gift. And I was going to get down on my face in my study. And repent toward God. And it dawned on me that I was enjoying every bit of it. I'm under total conviction, and I realize this is God dealing with me. And I'm enjoying every moment of it. So, see, child of God, when God's dealing with you, just thank Him for it. But, but don't leave out the repentance. <laughs> oh, no, no. Get down and repent of it and get it right with God. But get up rejoicing that he dealt with you. you know so if you're here this morning and the Holy Ghost is there, you feel uncomfortable? What he is saying is this. 
Come unto me. Come unto me. Don't leave here without Christ. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father.